Hey guys, Trevor here with Right Leaf. Today, I'm happy to have Angela on from Blessed Edibles. This is going to be a very interesting conversation because, honestly, I have very little exposure to her company and to her products, so I'm really interested to see how they differ from the other products on the market and as well as what her story is because she does create relatively high quality and high quantity quantity. content for us cannabis consumers and professionals to enjoy. So welcome, Angela, and I'm glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. And a big shout out to uh, to Doped and Disabled Dave for the uh, for the introduction. He's a fine human who's, uh, whose friendship has been a, a real blessing in my life. So it's been really nice to be able to find some really uh, key dope humans or, who are still really into <laughs> love and uh, speaking about the uh the love of the plant so uh a big thanks to him for for getting me here so um yeah. my name lena blessed i run a company called blessed edibles i was a professional muay thai fighter for about 17 years uh training uh in thailand fighting in china and mexico i'm the first uh, canadian female to fight muay thai rules in china uh a fight which i lost devastatingly bad but uh, I'm only proud of myself because the concussion that I came home with from that fight led me to CBD and the healing powers of that with uh, the sensory deprivation float tank. And I really started the healing journey there. So uh, in 2015, I started uh, making oils and butters and I started making cookies. These cookies because I, didn't, I saw what the Muay Thai fighters were doing. They were all in their uh, they were all in their element smoking weed, getting into the ring, doing their thing. And I always totally stigmatized them while I was just, you know, eating my chicken breast and spinach and, you know, not medicating at all. And the pain eventually started to really get to me. So I had to uh, find another route. The uh, doctors were all offering me opiates and painkillers. And I just didn't want to go that way because I was taking such good care of myself. So I started making cookies once I found the benefits of uh, a strain. It was a blueberry strain that I started with. It was super recovery for me. And I started to really feel the what kind of would happen once the rest got better and the eating got better and all of that. So once the eat and sleep kind of sorted itself out, the training and the pain got a lot, uh, improved a lot. So uh, with the help of Amy Weinstein, who runs Other People's Pot, she was running a uh, illegal dispensary called 416 Medicinal on King Street in Toronto. And so I had brought my cookies into her where she got them into the hands of Damien Abraham, who was working for Vice magazine at the time. So we did, a, I was part of a documentary, I believe that was 2016, called uh, Cannabis Candyland. So we, uh, he went around and talked to all the edibles makers in Toronto. So it was me, female, and the rest were a bunch of big guys wearing balaclavas and had their voices changed over, right? So Damien brought me into the ring with him and I got to beat him up a bit. And then I took him into the kitchen and made him cookies. So that, <laughs> that video kind of started the spiral of what was happening. And uh, thanks to Amy, we, uh, we were able to find some partners in the legal, in the legal world to be able to bring us through. Um, and that was just a whole other years and years of trying to figure it out, trying to get the right product, trying to get the right ingredients and trying to find the right people to help us get there, which has not been easy. And uh, so the original chocolate bar was a 10 square bar, which was 120 milligrams of THC and 60 milligrams of CBD, which I thought was a beautifully, beautifully blended bar. So you could just break off a square and eat it like an adult and choose to medicate yourself in the way that you know how to. So the new bar is 100 milligrams of CBD and 10 milligrams of THC. It is uh, made with a really nice uh, 70, uh, 70, 66% cocoa. So it's a dark chocolate. It is vegan and it's finished uh, with hand painted cocoa. It's this beautiful hand done splatter with cocoa nibs and a Himalayan sea salt. So it is, uh, it is a beautiful bar and I'm really, really proud of it. It's a great bar for the new, uh, legal environment. And it, uh, you know, I only hope to start to be able to change the, uh, the dosage because I feel very strongly that if you can walk into the LCBO, any sort of liquor store and buy as much booze as you want and go home and be a responsible adult with it, not drink it all at once. I'm not going to go home and drink six bottles of vodka, (laughs) 
no matter how bad the day is. And uh, I feel that adults should be able to have whatever edibles they need in the fridge to be able to go and medicate themselves properly. If that means locked boxes for fridges to keep children out of it, then that should be totally okay and doable. But uh, I think we should be able to have the right as 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 adults to to choose to medicate ourselves in the way that we need to. So. Oh, I, absolutely. And, I, and it's interesting hearing your story because I went through a very similar pathway for my introduction to cannabis because I worked in EMS uh, prior to this and I wasn't um, a cannabis consumer before that. And then my younger brother, funny enough, exposed me to it the December before I had an injury on the job. So I actually was injured on the job while we were transporting a patient from one hospital to the next for scans. We ended up having highway level collision. I've got like back-based injury, long-term back nerve and soft tissue injury. And then I've got the mental health side effects that go along with it. Um, Absolutely. It was, it was a three hour extraction for my partner. Like I've still got the picture of the ambulance. Like it was, it was a very bad accident. Oh my gosh. Um, but after that, I went through some therapy and some recuperation, but I started to utilize cannabis as like the main therapeutic pain relief, very similar approach to you where it's just, and I, I was smoking because I needed that immediate relief. And I didn't realize that I needed the mental health support as well, because it was about a year, almost a year and a half after the accident before I recognized that I had a mental health issue on top of it. And it was I just because I didn't didn't get the exposure to the back of the ambulance until that year and a half afterwards. I, th- I think that's a, that's a major, major point in that what most of the recreational market uh, doesn't really understand is that all of us are medicating. Like we're, we're all drawn to this plant for a reason or another. So most people think that they want to get stoned or they're letting go or they're trying to relax. But once they get the medicine into them, it's doing certain things that help to regulate yeah. their endocrine system. So they are calming themselves. They are medicating themselves. So there needs, you know, where the whole medical system is trying to get thrown out in Canada. And I just feel that we've really forgotten that it was the medical system that brought us here and uh, the massive issues that are happening across Canada and across the world with mental health right now that we are just starting to recognize what we can do to help each other. Um, you know, the plan is such a is such an important tool for that. And hopefully people will really realize uh, the mental health benefits you know, stuff we can't really talk about, especially in the rec market, about how yeah. this stuff helps. <laughs> but um, I'm always happy to push that envelope in conversation. So, Well, absolutely. And and to go even that step further, I utilize deprivation tanks as well. That's great. It's like, uh, it The cannabis nice. and deprivation tank in correlation to, especially when I was, when I'm having very bad mental health spats, that ability to take 90 minutes, to go in and just deal with it. Like, it's uh, I find I find that the people that are scared of the float tank are the ones yeah. that need it. The, you know, yeah. so uh, being alone with your thoughts a lot of the time is really difficult, and that's why we have all those distractions. We have the cell phones, yeah. we've got the video games, we've got whatever. So having the ability just to really shut off and get stuck with your thoughts for an hour is really difficult place for a lot of people to be. But I think it's a really important place for people to be. Well, and it, I'm not going to lie, there was, but before it was about a two and a half year break between my last float and then the one that I just recently went to. Yeah. And I walked in there and I've got a heart rate monitor on my watch and that's, it's a part of the the therapeutic techniques that I have to pull myself out of scenarios where maybe I shouldn't be in there and I've got <laughs> coping methods to, oh yeah, my heart's beating at just about 180, but you're not recognizing it because you got something else going on. I look at my watch. I'm like, maybe I should get out of this scenario. <laughs> going in there, she was a buck sixty walking in there until I had that shower pre tank, and then it just dropped. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm scared shitless. I am scared beyond belief because <laughs> I know what this next ninety minutes is going to be like. But I'll come out can- feeling a thousand times better. <laughs> when you can find that stillness, you know, because it's heated to the same temperature as your body, it is like going back to the womb, right? It's it's as close to that uh, weightless free fall through space as possible. And when you've introduced edibles into the gamut, it actually helps to open the natural DMT part of your brain. So it will cause more hallucinations. So I've definitely gone in and 
you know, shut the lights off and the curtains close and it is a ticket to the Muppet show is what I would yeah. always say. I've definitely had some free fall through free falls through space and heavy hallucinations in the float tank. So you got to be ready for it. You know? Oh, and, and, and for me, the, the visual cues don't usually come on until I've kind of sorted out what's going on. It's like, it's your reward after you get through the, the, the problems that you got to solve. Yeah. <laughs> deep dive. I usually do a deep dive through my day. Yeah. So it's like the, it's like the grocery list of shit. Yeah. You go through that and then I'm able to escape it and just go deep. And I love it. It's such a, it's such an integral part of healing and something that I offer to anybody that reaches out to me, you know, anybody that's wanting to try it. I've been the ambassador for float Toronto Queen street for since they've opened. And it's just been, it's been a lifesaver for me. So anybody that wants to try it, please reach out and uh, we will try to get you in there. It is, it is a help with meditation and it is a help with life-saving for sure. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I don't have an official ambassadorship, but I promote Modern Gravity in Edmonton. <laughs> Head and like it is a beautiful facility, clean, amazing people. It's two gentlemen that run it, and they they they're doing it because they're passionate about it, and that's why I like going to that place. Yeah, and it's full I, rooms, not pods, and that's another it, win because I'm six three. I need I need a room. I don't need a pod. <laughs> so with your edible you said it was 100 milligrams to the 10 milligrams of thc the 100 milligrams mm -hmm. of cbd um is there a 10 piece breakdown or how do you have it um set to be broken out a little picture here see. my bamboo's causing oh, a shadow. nice oh yeah, yeah so it is a 10 piece yeah it is a 10 piece so it was the first full-size bar on the market right which is pretty cool it was the first vegan bar on the market so we're we're really proud of it you know it feels like everybody was putting out like one square of chocolate but not all people want to eat five or ten milligrams at a time so if you just want a milligram you want your mom to try it you want to have somebody try some cannabis that you know hasn't really hasn't really been there this is a really safe moderate calming product that you can put in their hands so well absolutely and it's something that if you have a large group of people that are interested in trying it a single bar is all you need because right? everyone can have one brick. One yeah. in 10 is a plenty effective dose for initial experience. Exactly. They're either not going to have anything overwhelming come on to where they don't notice it, or they're going to just, Oh, I kind of feel relaxed where I'm sitting here. This is just nice. Because of the, uh, the limited ingredient list as well. I've been really encouraging people to kind of break the bar up, uh, throw it into their coffee you know, throw some squares into your coffee, throw some squares into your smoothie, you know, so you're just able to kind of toss it back. And, you know, a lot of companies are releasing like hot chocolate mixes and whatnot. But when you look at the ingredients, it's all preservatives. So it's really cool. It's nice to see the edible market roll out. But please look at your ingredients. <laughs> please look at what you're ingesting. To me, if a piece of food can sit in a bag for four months, it's not really food. So it's just, you know, I'm glad people are getting the medicine into them, but I think we need to wait a little bit longer for the quality products. Things like chocolate and gummies are stable. You know, you can do stuff like that, but you know, a baked good, like my first product was a cookie and that was honestly my favorite product that I've ever put out, but I'm not going to do that until I can serve it to you fresh and warm. So that's oh, what I would. And do. honestly, for something like that, it'd be almost better if you could have like a, and the sugars and stuff like that, of course, are the best for the premix. But at that point, you still got to put some sort of preservative in the sugar with the cannabis to hold the cannabis within it. Like there's there's a little bit of a balance there. So it'd be like the dry mixes would be the closest thing for cookies and baked goods that would be able to work. But you'd have to do it almost direct to sale. I feel like anybody that was doing that, though, like if they're going to go through the process of doing it, would probably know how to do that themselves. Yeah. So a lot of my original ideas were the you know have people do it themselves but i just i always wanted to put the product in their hands so that's why we started with the chocolate well exactly and if you and the nice thing about that is you can use that chocolate bar as the base to other ingredients right you can you can expand off of it there's very that full chocolate bar can be made into a batch of chocolate chip cookies that are reasonable for everyone to enjoy exactly yeah that's that's definitely a the proper approach to be able to at least have the most people be able to have access to it. 
Awesome. Um, so how many ingredients do you have in that chocolate bar? I, I believe it's four. Four? Might be four. Be I believe it's four, including the cannabis. Yeah. Nice. There's no Are... yeah. awesome. Are you guys using a distillate or an isolate based? It's um it's both because it's C B D and uh THC. But we're uh I've done the last year of research with my partner Joe. Uh he's really big into hash. So we've been working with a lot of I've been really, really lucky to have a, a hash lab in my home. So uh, I've just been able to have access to like any sort of hash product for baking. So nice. we've been, I've been very spoiled. And um, I really feel that uh, having the different inputs is really important. And I really feel that uh, the Canadian government jumping to distillate was a mistake that we'll talk about years from now. But, uh, you know, I feel that we just we missed a lot by jumping straight to distillate so I think that how people want to feel is that old school hash way from high school if you ever consumed in high school um, and it is that old school I'm going to call it Jamaican cess feel it's that old school hash feel you know the fact that we've jumped to 30% THCs and the fact that we've jumped to distillates and botanical terpenes is not a medicine saving kind of decision I don't feel so I hope that we will in you know, coming 2.0 or 3.0 cannabis, you know, we'll be able to talk more about, you know, the better inputs and why we feel this way. And, you know, I don't feel that anybody needs to smoke a 30% THC joint. You know, I think uh, we can reel it back and make it accessible for everybody. Well, absolutely. And, I, and I'm the same way with you. All of my edibles are I, like my key for my dry sift base. I save all that. And right. put it in a jar with a humidity pack because I don't mind if the THC transitions to CBN. I'm Please, using sir. my edibles for pain relief, <laughs> evening effect. It's yeah. meant to be supportive. <laughs> so, and like the distillate based gummies and all that, I they're great. I can take their, their taste, but they don't affect me. I can have yeah. two of my, two cookies that I've made and I'm just perfect right it's uh it's a big difference and i i hope we get to i hope we get to change it up and people really start to appreciate um the more naturalness of of what we can get to and and how everybody should be feeling well absolutely and i i do think that realistically there are a certain level of consumers that prefer that distillate that kind of clean thc high but if we mark if we market like that can refer to THC uh, distillate as a clean high. I refer to distillate as like a punch in the face. <laughs> like it's it's the blast of THC. It's only giving you that stoned that stoned feeling right yeah. here. There's no relaxation to the body. I feel so. I think people who like that like the punch of it. Yeah. You know, it's I don't I don't. It's it, I think it's so far removed from how we think that we want to be feeling. And the only reason I say clear high is because the THC has been the only thing that's been cleared for it, right? It is just, it's, it's a, it's a clean THC pure high Yeah. in that sense. And it's then when, exactly, it's been, it's been distilled to be a pure THC high and, and that might be the better way to describe it, calling it a pure THC high. Yeah. Then when yeah. we go into the hash, whether it be a dry sift or a bubble hash, we're talking at two, we're talking two completely different products too, because a dry sift is going to be broken off. It's going to be a little bit more of a you're going to have a little more plant matter involved. Where the bubble hash typically is going to be a little bit cleaner. Then if you go even a step further and you go with the rosin level, like the rosin head, there's each of those products are going to provide a different quality and an experience. And there'll be consumers that are looking for each of those. The consumers should know what they're getting and be able to pick it. You know, like I, I can appreciate a super white rosin, but I don't think it's necessary. And I think it's kind of like, yeah, I just think it's kind of unnecessary. I think plant matter is a beautiful thing. And I think we yeah. need to appreciate some plant matter being left in the plants. You know, like it's, it's cool if you can make super white rosin, but you know, why strip it, strip it, strip it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think we're getting past what we need to do with the plant. So 
Yeah, and I'm I would say that I'd rather see an oddity where you see one company do it and it's like that's what they do, and then the regular market is more the kind of middle ground, a little right. more of a accessible for everyone, like you're saying. And that's yeah. like even when it comes to total cannabinoid, because that's a point that I've been really trying to hit on. I would rather see our total cannabinoid be at 30%, but at 16 and 16. Right. That that sounds like a glorious experience for the majority of the consumers. Right. How like do you how do you feel about uh botanical terpenes? I'm not a fan of them in the products that I smoke. Exactly. Like I'm not a fan of them. I think we file it under things we did not for. <laughs> yeah. Things we didn't need. Things we did not need in life. But well, and it yeah. it's one of those I, things where it a lot of our products is so flavor dependent. Everyone is does it taste good? Well, yeah. Yep. Okay. And it's and that's going to be an everlasting battle with with this cannabis industry too, especially with the focus of the distillate cartridges and those super candied candied flavors that are achieved by botanical terpenes. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not interested, not interested in the pre-roll industry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and like, and the, like the pre-rolls when it comes to craft producers or the smaller guys, absolutely. But there's some that, like large scale producers or even the milled products where there's botanical terpenes infused in it and people aren't aware of it. No, people are, are easily swayed. You know, if it's like when you open a package and it smells really good, it's one of the five senses and you're giving that, you're giving the person the, that experience and you know, they're not going to know any better and you're going to open it and it smells like whatever fruit or whatever, you're going to be impressed. So like, it's a, it's a wonderful sales marketing technique. But um, yeah, I strictly, I do believe in legacy and, and craft and that, you know, this female plant still needs love put into her and, you know, it shows respect to it. So. Well, exactly. And like this broad definition of craft almost needs to be tuned in or we almost need a second level of it. Right. Create almost a pedestal for the people who are actually doing the craft and and not necessarily be a singular pedestal, but okay, these are the hand watercraft companies. These are the mechanic watercraft companies. These are the aqua. These are the hydro. Because you can be that on that pedestal within each, but you shouldn't be comparing hand water soil to an automated hydro system where they're watching the meters, watching the numbers. It's a little bit more science versus a little bit more holistic science right it's still science it's still the research but it's a different kind of science and it's a different style of growing and each should be respected but cat it's hard to compare one to the other but you can always tell who's put the love into things though exactly. and that's what I, so i just try to go with that as much as possible <laughs> well absolutely and it's and for me, I'm just, I'm trying to find ways that we can provide the consumer with the actual information that they want or be able to have the information available to educate them. Right. Because the amount of times where it's been a white label company buying product from somebody else and it's the same product that is in another bag under a different brand name, different title. Right. Like it's. Yeah. You just don't know. And nobody knows. Nobody knows who the brands they're coming from. And that's that's been my kind of fight the whole time is I want people to know that there are humans behind this brand, that it wasn't, you know, like a big pharma coming with money kind of story. You know, this is this is my baby and uh, we really care about her. <laughs> so we just really want to put out good products for people to enjoy and you know, really spread some love throughout the industry a little bit, because we do come from, you know, the 2015 era where it was a real community. And we just, we just want that to continue with people. So we're, we're excited to try to do things a little bit differently. Uh, We're starting some programs, uh, teaching bud tenders some self-defense. So, you know, we know that everybody's in these stores alone a lot of the time because of the state of the economy. So, 
you know, I would just want to come in and give people some something, whether it's mobility, whether it's some stretching, whether it's some self-defense. So they feel a little bit better in there, you know, that's, um, you know, and get to spread some chocolate around too while I'm doing it. So it's, it's about, it's about that kind of love. And that's, that's the kind of energy I want to bring to the community. Well, absolutely. And that's, and that is the one big benefit to the cannabis community I've found is that everybody in it is coming from some other expertise or interest or cannabis fuels a hobby that is like really interesting. And they're really passionate about that. Like for you, cannabis transitioned your life into this industry, but you have your Muay Thai experience. You have all of that benefit to be able to provide to the bud tenders on my side. I've got the medical experience that I can then add to the explanations that I'm doing and I can help break things down a little bit more in layman's terms and the ability to, when I was bud tending to ask specific detailed questions, because I know how to frame my questions to get the answers that I'm looking for or to ask, learn how to ask the same question three different ways to be able to get a clear answer. Right. Like skills like that I had, that was a big benefit as a bud tender. I was a, I was a hairstylist, right? I was a hair colorist for, for a long time and I was doing Muay Thai and then the cookies took off. So I ended up in, you know, all of these corporate boardrooms completely overwhelmed. So it took, it took a lot of strength. And I really do feel that the strength that I got was from fighting. And because kind of once you've stepped into the ring and been punched in the face a bunch of times, there isn't too much that scares you more than (laughs) having to deal with the corporate chads, you know, as intimidating as it was, you know, I always felt like I had one up. I might not have had the business, you know, slogans or had to go home and always check what the acronyms were that they were shouting out at me. But, you know, I did the research and I did the time and I wasn't scared because I've always had this kind of chip on my shoulder of like, no matter what, they might have bigger words than me, but I can always beat them up. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, that's exactly it. And in this community, there's we always have something that we want to if it's been a major benefit to our lives, like both of us, we've transitioned from users to advocates almost immediately just because it had such an effective change on our life. We want to feed back into this community as much as possible because we want to grow it. We want to essentially, we want to find the next us. (laughs) Like I've started to realize I'm like, realistically, I'm just on the hunt to help the next me and as many of me as I can. Well, people always thank me for getting them into the float or grabbing them some gummies or, you know, getting them to do a cold plunge or whatever it is. And I just, they, the gratefulness is appreciated, but it really is about, you know, I, I had to save my own life. So it's just about helping people, helping give people the tools of how they can do that for themselves, because I understand what it's like to, to not be there and to not feel it and not feel, not feel well, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I had to, I had to spend a lot of time giving myself those tools. So I'm really happy to pass those on to other people, especially in the medical uh, cannabis world. So. Well, that's exactly it. Like it, anybody who's used cannabis to get out of a dark space instead of <laughs> it, like, and especially if they were on their own, they had to take those first two steps by themselves. They just want to reach that hand out and help pull people out of that dark space. They don't need them to take those first two steps by themselves. Okay. Come uh-huh. join us here. We'll teach you. Let us. Yep. Let us. Yeah. It's like, I always say movement heals, movement saves. Right. So, you know, if you can, you know, those mental health walks, they really benefit. If you can go out and shadow, it really helps. If you can go for a run, it'll really help. If you can give yourself a stretch and a big hug at the end of your day, like all of that stuff will benefit. You know, I, I really believe in the support that we can give each other. You know, I really believe in, especially with men, especially with men and what's going on. I feel like through the pandemic, you know, a lot of women really bossed up and, you know, we kind of found each other and fell apart and had the communication where men had to kind of toughen up even harder and probably shut down their emotions to deal with what we were going through. And I feel like a lot more men kind of fell apart towards the ladder of the pandemic and they need that support. Men didn't have that support through the pandemic and, and men don't know how to reach for the help. So it is about kind of like lending those hands as well, showing guys where they can go showing, you know, and, and kind of leading them in the direction of like, it's totally okay to try to heal some shit. You know, I, I feel that they don't, men aren't given the, the okay to do some healing. You know, a lot of the time you guys are stuck with, uh, 
you know, toughen up and suck it up. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do appreciate some of the softness that is coming out for men post pandemic and, uh, and everybody's just giving themselves a bit of a break on there. Well, absolutely. And I, and I would agree with you hundred percent, like just, you could see it when that second wave came through, everyone got hit, but you could tell that there was people that just, they broke. They were just not again. I'm done. And I, I see it everywhere. The, the mental health crisis in my, like everywhere is terrible, but like my neighborhood, especially, and you can see it. The people that are on the streets here are very normal people who probably just lost their homes or whatever over the last six months to a year. And these are very new homeless and these are very new unwell, like mentally unwell people. So I feel like there's been a catastrophic like drop in mental health and it's, you can see it. You can really see it in these, in these poor neighborhoods. And it's, uh, you know, we just put $50 million into more police on the streets, but what are we going to do about the people that are unwell? Right. It's just one of those things where, there was there was some spaces prior to covid where people felt safe to be able to go and communicate and it was starting there were more spaces being built up for everyone to be able to go and have their their kind of interconnect community their ability to to kind of start healing yeah but then every all those spaces were ones that could just try to stay up and running and they were using those those events and those type of evenings to run and be successful again. And you get COVID where nobody's allowed to go out. Nobody's allowed to, those places aren't around anymore. Now everybody that is around is trying to make up or they're trying to keep up with the price of living because there's realistically, there's both. There's large companies trying to make up and there's smaller companies trying to keep up. And the small fringe where it's like, oh, hey, let's get together here. We can get 500 bucks together and get a dozen people there is now $1,500 and you can't you can't justify doing it every other week. Right. It's not it's 20 bucks to go and spend an evening. It's 100. Yeah. I can't leave the house without a, like not spend $100. It's just things are different now, you know, so. On it. And that's exactly it. That, that loss of loss of access to a community is affecting everybody at such a detrimental level. I spend so much time alone. Like I'm glad my partner works from home most of the time now. I'm, I'm really lucky that way. But like during the depths of the pandemic, I was alone about like 20 hours a day and I would have somebody come over, but it was just like, you really, I really sat in my shit for a while. So like, you know, you can hit some bottom there and then I dug myself out of it, thankfully, but I had a really good support system. I have float Toronto, you know, I have, I had a Muay Thai gym that I could sneak into. Like I, I had places that I could go and move my body and scream my heart out if I needed to. And, uh, and not everybody has that. So definitely happy to offer Muay Thai to anybody that needs to come punch and kick some shit, especially after (laughs) CBT. Right. So um, yeah, it is wellness. It is all about wellness for me, for sure. Well, that's, and the, the direct correlation with cannabis and wellness and, the fact that you can use it at any level, non-intoxicating mm-hmm. levels like your chocolate bar, where it's more of a medicinal, therapeutic day use versus somebody who's needing that high THC RSO because they're and cancer therapy or somebody that's needing a varied cannabinoid profile like myself for pain therapy and mental health support. There's different consumers with different products and being able to open up the opportunities to it's not just smoking we have topicals we have low dose edibles we have oils we have all of these great opportunities to provide access to people who don't even understand that there's that variety like the amount of information that we we need to be able to get out to more the the general public and more of the um the 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 stigma filled population is the best way to put it the people who just don't understand that well we've got lotions that you can just use for arthritic pain on your hands or old trauma based pains to just incorporate into your lifestyle right it's crazy because i 
you know, I've tried my best to fight that stigma for so long, especially like being an athlete, especially because I never felt like I was someone that looked like a stoner or anything like that. But it but it's true how hard it is still super, super stigmatized. Um, you know, I on paper probably look pretty good. But as soon as uh, like my partner and I have been looking for somewhere new to live. Uh, but as soon as any of the landlords Google me and see that I'm an advocate for cannabis, we don't get the houses. <laughs> yeah. So we've been constantly shot down my you know my partner is a uh he works at a college you know we uh but we both are heavily involved in cannabis so the stigma is still incredibly incredibly real because if i worked for the lcbo if i worked for um geez if i worked for big pharma if i worked for anything it would be a completely different story but me as a professional athlete doing work for cannabis I'm still very much treated like a drug dealer. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. So yeah, the stigma is super real. I thought it wasn't, I thought it wasn't because, you know, I was living downtown Toronto for a long time and everybody smokes weed and weed is everywhere, but it's, uh, it's still really real, you know? So I I still try to kind of stay away from it. I don't want to smell like weed a lot of the time. I don't, you know, because I want to be taken serious with the things that I do. And, uh, and I want people to see the realistic benefits of what's happening. So. Yeah, and, and that's and that's exactly where it is. Where we, if the fact is that we can't consume the product the way that we either want to or need to, because there's going to be a stigma around it. For me, why isn't there an equal stigma around the cigarette smoke then? Right. Because in reality, one's doing harm and one's helping. Right. So, like, and, and of course, it's we're trying to change the the mass populace, which is a battle in and of itself. <laughs> but I don't know. Well, like, I when I think about consumption spaces, and I think about the consumption spaces that are happening in Toronto right now, and people can smoke in them. It's difficult for me. I want to see the people that I like to smoke weed with, but I'm an adult and I can smoke weed at home. Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking forward to the consumption spaces where it's going to be drink based or maybe edible based. You know, I'd love to think that the new club is going to be like weed drinks. Like, I think that would be really awesome. But I don't think that should be mixed with alcohol. So, you know, it's there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And I am excited for it. But I I hope that we can I hope that we can do some cool things together. And the Canadian government doesn't. I don't know. I could go on about this forever. But I feel that this uh, it became a health industry and it shouldn't have been a health industry it should have been an economic industry and that would have given cannabis way more of a a less highly highly regulated kind of the benefit of it could have been a really like a tourism thing it could have been it could have brought people in but instead we made it a health industry and overly regulated it so it's just like okay so now we got this plant i voted for trudeau and now we can't do anything with it (laughs) and it has to be behind you know, lock and key, and it's got to be of this, and we're going to tax it 40%, and it hurts a bit, (laughs) you know, that's my rant. Oh, absolutely, and it, 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 the amount of regulation around the plant is absolutely ridiculous, and when it, like, when it comes to consumption lounge, I'm, I was originally in the belief of smoking consumption lounge should be the goal, having gone to grow up in September, and lift and just having communications with people who are in the food industry that want to incorporate it and the the goal behind it i my opinion has completely gone a 180 i do believe that if there are places like private dwellings that are willing to open up a smoke lounge because they just we own this we own this building we're going to do what we're going to do I have no issues with that, with having access to that area for people to come in and consume. I personally would love to go and do that just to be able to have like the edge. But it, for me, it'd be more, hey, we're let's get together here so we can all buy two or three products and look at it together. Right. Did you have hear more lit research? Did you hear yeah. about lit research? So they have their, their research. It's fucking brilliant. So we went in there uh, and and talked to the owner and it's so legit, super well ventilated. They really do market research in there. LPs can go in and pay by the hour. People will come in, totally judge the products, get real feedback. I'm just like, thank you. Thank you. 
And and in talking to this guy, he isn't some bro that's come in because he's got cash. He's somebody that is really invested into medical research with cannabis. Mm, like he's into it. He's not, he's like, if I was wanting to make money, I would have left this industry years ago. And I'm like, thank yeah. you. So anybody that's here and holding on is loving the plant. We all know that there's no money in cannabis right now. So, you know, the fact that he's there and doing his thing and, you know, under like has done a lot of research in what happened with Israel and CBD and the way that they researched the plant. Like we have a lot to learn and I'm glad that we're taking steps to get there. And I think that's super dope. Well, I, and that lit research for having a actual, like for, if we're going to have an advertised smoke lounge or open consumption space, yeah, that can gladly be the, 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 the pedestal, industry that should be what everyone's aiming for for a research and showcasing right opportunity home right so like i don't need to go somewhere to smoke weed but i will go somewhere to smoke weed if it's different weed and somebody's going to show me some different things right like i'm super happy bongs here you know like my edibles are in the cupboard i don't need to go somewhere to do that but i do need to go somewhere to try different products and you know, try new things. That's different. Yeah. I'll do that. But yeah, I don't well, need to take my. Well, exactly. And, and for me, I, the only reason where I would go, I'm okay with having that kind of under that, that lesser, that area for just people to bring their own flower and smoke it is for it to be a area for plan meetups where it's kind of that, Hey, let's get together. Everyone grab this. Let's go and talk about this flower when we Right. So we, it's almost more product knowledge, product showcase. It gives the LPs the opportunity to find someone like me where it's like, hey, we'll get you a case of this product. Do you, if you can host this here, we'll cover the cost for the for the venue. But yeah, it's on you. And if the and if the LPs can justifiably do that, having spaces like that that aren't necessarily the lit research where it's more of just a come hang out and let's sesh, but we're going to be talking about this product. Those type of spaces I think are going to, are needed, but it's more for the bud tenders and the people within the industry versus the well, general consumer. The reason that I did well in the market is because when we set up booths at the green market, we sampled, we sampled our asses off. There would be a massive pile of chocolate. Anybody that walked by the booth would be able to try one. Now, Anybody that tried one bought one automatically. And but we can't do that in the stores, you know, so it's it's hard because people need to see it. They need to taste it. They want to feel it. It's, it's the five senses again. Right. Like and when you can give people that they will make purchases. And if I could take a bunch of sales reps and put them at lit research and feed them a bunch of chocolate and like call me in an hour and tell me how you feel. That those would be guaranteed sales, you know, so it's that, that kind of stuff really works. Oh, exactly. And, and the, we, the thing is that not everybody in the industry needs access to that product. You need to pick the people who are going to be the highlight of that product, bring them in and let them be the ones promoting it. I've done, I've done really cool um, uh, panels with like brain doctors and stuff like that. So like, I would love to be able to take CBD and have to go through a workout and have somebody map my brain, mm -hmm. you know, like I think that kind of research is what we're really missing, especially from the athletic world and, uh, and the things that we can do with that. So it's not just about being stoned and sitting on the couch. It's going to be about what can your body do? What is the difference between uh, recovery and performance? You know, like, does cannabis actually make you train better? You know, I, those are the, those are the questions I think. Well, and I, I'm right with you. The more research we can have and the more pre and post consumption research we can have long-term consumption effect research we can have is going to be beneficial to everybody. And it's going to be beneficial to the market because then realistically, if they follow the data, we should be getting better quality, healthier, higher quality products in return. Right. But, but who's testing the products, right? Like yeah. we had to do, we did six months of research and development on the chocolate bar. We put it through stability testing. We did all of that. I, I like, I want to know that everybody's doing that. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I, I'd like to know what the long-term results of smoking botanical terpenes are. You know, I, I'd like to.
stuff like that. I'd like to know uh, what's going to happen to all of us vaping, you know, but we'll see. We'll get the research. I hope. Well, it's, it, it's nice that the more, the more states that pop up, the more research, it seems like as soon as a state says, we're going to open up rec, there's a university within that state's going, Oh, we've got a, we've got a study that's ready to go. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. You can tell there's stoners in that the university that are just waiting for a reason to consume. Right. But in my opinion, I look at that. I'm like, that one study is going to feed off at least three or four more just in that one university and maybe one or two in the subsequent universities in that city. Well, then it's guess what? We've got everybody doing research on cannabis and we're getting endless information. Yeah, maybe five years from now, but in five years, the amount of information and resource we're going to have is unbelievable. My uh, my partner, Joe, teaches um, cannabis courses at Centennial College in Toronto and Scarborough. And uh, he, he's, he brings me in. He brings me in to help teach and I bring in bars for everybody, for all the students and talk about my products. And it's been really cool. Uh, and it's definitely not the genre of kind of humans that you think would be taking weed courses. It's everybody from all over the world just interested in cannabis. And I think that's amazing. So, you know, some of the stigma has been broken that way as yeah. well. Well, that's and that's exactly why I think places like Lit Research, like you were saying, should be promoted. Because if somebody's walking down the street and they... And they see, oh, it's a cannabis consumption lounge. And they go in there and it's as clean as it is. It's as because the videos and stuff that I've seen, I like I like the way that Lit is doing it for the being the staple in the industry. Yeah, it's super gorgeous. They've arranged it so that people can move the tables if they want. Um we were speaking about possibly doing an event there. So I always need space. But um it's 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 really cool. It's really gorgeous. I could take my mom there to go smoke some weed if I wanted to do that. You know, it's that kind of space where you feel safe and it's good and it should be that way. There should We need to break that stigma for sure. Well, absolutely. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm lucky enough where I actually went with my mom down to Colorado before legalization in Alberta, but it was like, or in Canada, it was the, the May pre-legalization. So we knew it was coming and like she was starting to get an interest in it. And I was like, I want to go down to Denver because Tro like I'm a Leafs fan. So I'm like, I want to watch Toronto play into Denver in Denver because it's actually cheaper to fly to Denver, buy the tickets for that hockey game than to watch it in Edmonton. No way. <laughs> but Toronto it Matthews versus David. And it's only one time a year he's in Edmonton. So the, and Edmonton is Edmonton's is getting up there with Toronto and Montreal for prices. It is disgusting how much that arena is. So flew down to Denver, got to watch a basketball game and a, and the Toronto and Colorado game. But when we were down there, the first full night, I'm like, I'm gonna, I want to go on a on a weed bus, like a the tour bus, and see it. And I was like, which which of the tours would you be most interested in going on? And she went and she looked and she's like, well, the ones with the dispensaries would probably be okay. And, and like, and the glass, I'm really, she was really interested in the glass artwork because she, what? because it was the artwork and that's how I approached her with it. I'm like, come and take a look at these. Don't look at the wall of everything the same. Come look in the center at the 10 pieces that they have there. Yeah. That are, and it was day one going to the shop and it was just do use that as a staple. She saw, I can't even remember what it was. It was like a farm based kind of design they had glass blown cows and it was like a fifteen thousand dollar bomb it was disgusting but as soon as she saw that it was there wasn't an argument it's like oh yeah you want to go into the head shop let's go in i want to look at those night because it's the artwork it's the time dedicated it's the and we went on the the consumption bus there was a secondary buzz going on she got she got hot boxed in the bus to be honest yeah. because yeah. the amount of much the amount of food we consumed afterwards but since then, <laughs> totally different approach to it. Totally like a, an understanding behind it that could have never had that exposure without being on that bus. So having wow. something like that lit research to be able to just, you don't need to consume. Just come in and visit with us while we're smoking. Yeah, it was really, really glad I got to see it for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of 
of lit research and I need to check it out when I get out to Toronto next because like it the amount of education and knowledge that could be shared there for just low consumers or no consumers is huge 100% it's awesome it's awesome to have that and uh well even just the amount of um risk management you could have for people who aren't sure how to consume because exactly you have they've got a really good um intake form they actually have to sign a waiver when you walk in and they really find out what your consumption is like because if they're passing out 30 percent pre-rolls you're gonna have people greening out right so yep. they know they know how to watch they know the questions to ask you know they know what to watch for and and i love that so. well that's awesome that it's that guided guided consumption yes it's not a free-for-all Oh, that's yeah, that's huge. Um, is there anything else that you guys have coming out? Are you working on any new projects, like products are, at the moment? We're doing some research and development for the next products that we're hoping to bring out in a couple of months. Um, but we're keeping those pretty under wraps right now, and uh, I'm getting ready to do a. Um, I've been asked to be on the cover of Bud Smoke ma- magazine. Awesome. Uh, That'll be for the all women's issue in April, which is fucking super cool. And yeah, the cover is going to be really ridiculous. So <laughs> it's, I'm really, I'm really excited. It's kind of my first themed uh, cover. So all my other ones have been pretty naked. So it's, uh, <laughs> this one's cool. I'm going to get to wear a costume. So it'll be a little different, but um, yeah, it's going to be super badass. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. But we also filmed with uh, Kindling Media yesterday. Uh, I got to bring uh, Michael from Kindling in and beat him up and they filmed it. So <laughs> that was really fun too. So I'm just looking forward to uh, teaching some more Muay Thai uh continuing on with the research and development that I get to do and um, and spreading lots of products with with love. So I uh, I feel really lucky to get to be here, even though it is a really hard industry to navigate, especially not having, you know, the big bucks behind us. We are we are small and uh, we are very independent. So it's uh, it's not been easy. And um, but I am glad that I'm here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's always great to see people who are in that smaller started from grassroots kind of build up industry building up in this industry, because those type of products are going to be ones that are going to resonate with customers and consumers because they're going to come from something that was effective and beneficial before. It's like the best growers are the people who've been growing for years and they just changed their grow system to the larger scale. Right. Yeah, I do believe that what you put out in this world has to be done with love, no matter what it is. And you can feel the difference in with what the big companies are doing. You know, I've I've been through big grows and I've actually heard growers say, I'd rather be growing tomatoes. So that <laughs> that isn't a that isn't a plant that I want to love. That isn't a package yeah. that I open. Um, I need to know that it's been made with love and I continue to make things with love. So that's all we can hope for for now. Well, exactly. And I, and I feel for the for the people who are in the big grow facilities that are trying their best and putting as much love into it as they can. And it's just not being reciprocated down the rest of the line. So the product just w- one person isn't going to outdo the rest of it, which is sad because those okay. type of people need to be put in positions and environments for them to flourish and grow. I think I think with the uh, economic crap that we're being given right now i think with the state of the economy is what i'm trying to say um we really have to hold on you know and everybody's kind of falling right now some a lot of the retail stores are falling the bigger companies are falling like canopy is about to lay people so that's a big uh that's a big that's a big boy that's fallen so we're just going to do our best we feel that if we can hold on through the next couple years then we'll be able to come out ahead and you know i i feel like a lot of the big boys you know, they need to fall. So yeah. uh, people hopefully that love the plant will be the ones that will remain. And, uh, and I just have to hold on to that good little thought. So. Yeah. And I've, I've had this gut feeling starting to build that in the next three to five years, one of the big dispensary chains are going to be kind of going the same way where it's either a full transition of what they're doing, 
to where they're just a pure delivery service or access to direct delivery for like Saskatchewan and BC and places like that and almost franchise out the dispensaries or they just sell out like three to five years. I got a legitimate belief that one of the dispensaries is either going to be bought out completely or going to go by the wayside of one way or the other. There just isn't the need. There isn't the need for that many stores. There isn't the need for that big locations. And, you know, I think a takeout window is all the world really needs for what we need to do. And, you know, there does, there, there were, I think 1100 dispensaries in Ontario and that'll be probably less than 500 in the next year. So um, it'll, it's, it's, it's falling and it's hurting. And I, I feel really bad for the people that put everything into it and really wanted it because they love the plant, but they weren't able to financially keep up through the hellish two years that we've just had. So. Well, absolutely. The nope. bi- you, you hurt for the business owners. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, like I heard for the business owners. I also heard for the, the people in the industry are getting bought out by those bigger corporations and getting squeezed out because their their knowledge and their expertise isn't being treated as that, right? Like they're just they're being 100%. Yeah. They nobody wants to pay nobody wants to pay the legacy people. There aren't many legacy people that are that have come out of this on top. You know, a lot of us have got our products to market, but I'm not like I'm not rolling in dough. I'm not financially doing well. You know, I got my dream to market, but it's not it's not financially viable at this point. Right. So it does take the people that love it to really hold on because there is no money in cannabis right now. So hopefully. We, hopefully. Well, and it's, it's, it's having consumer education and knowledge. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I try and provide platforms like this, because if people can understand that there's a difference between what the big companies and do are doing and what you guys are doing and the amount of care and time, the two or three dollars extra you might be paying, yeah. will return in the end. The quality you know, that of the product you're consuming will give you a better experience. Like I know what I get when I buy a rosin heads chocolate. I know what I get when I buy a blessed bar. Uh, I could not say that about any other chocolate on the market. Right? I just couldn't. <laughs> I don't know who they. I don't know who they are. I don't know where they made it. I don't know where they're from. Did they make it before? Were they chocolate makers? Were they weed people? Or were they just people that knew that there was the industry was going to be this big and this is how much we thought we were going to make. So we got in. Well, and that's, and that's for me is it's funny you say that because the, the sole drink on the market that I really enjoy and that its effect is actually beneficial is the green monkey. And that's sourced from the UK as a CBG drink originally. Okay. So it came over to Canada as an already stabilized beverage. And yes, they're going to be using hemp-based CBD, but guess what? They're getting better quality product here with the cannabis now. And it, I'm not, once I found that out, I wasn't surprised that I found a good experience with that versus some of the other ones that have been just brand new to market here. Right. Hmm. What do you pay for that CBD drink? That one, it was when I was still in shop. It was three ninety nine, so it was four twenty a can. And it's a it was a tall boy, so it wasn't. They were they were the more affordable of the drinks in there. My feelings. That still hurts my feelings. It's a head based drink, and it's five bucks almost, right? So like... that that one that one's cannabis, not. The one in okay. Canada are cannabis. The, okay. the UK is based off of the hemp. Okay. Yeah. And their their CBD is like 30 or like it's quite a bit of a higher ratio in, in the UK. The Canadian one is three and six. Three THC, six CBD. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. And for a canna- cannabis beverage that I know the effect I'm going to have because it's relaxing and easing, the consistency is has nowhere been found. When it comes to the edibles, I haven't found anything yet, but I haven't had a chance to try the Bless or the Rosin Heads, right? Like, I haven't had a chance to try a lot of small or um, kind of craft chocolate and edibles on the market because a lot of Alberta is big boy, big boy, big boy wow. candies, big boy chocolate. Huh. 
interesting. Like, I think rosin heads are available now in Alberta. Yeah. But I like I haven't seen the menu in almost like the AJLC size menu in almost a year now. So I don't know exactly what's available. How are you guys looking to come into Alberta? Yeah, I believe it's on uh I believe it was the end of January that we were able to open it up. So yeah, I'll find out. I'll find out shortly if we were getting in. It was just maybe, no, end of February, end of February, I believe it was, but yeah, we're waiting. I was really wanting to. So really, really wanting to Al Alberta and BC were what I really wanted. So for sure. Yeah. Alberta. So it's such Alberta a huge. Is, it's, it's crazy. And especially if you can get, I, like even if you can just get a handful of people who really enjoy it, they'll get everybody in Alberta to because it is such a here try this market. Like it is very much a they get a five pack of pre rolls and give somebody one, and then that right. person's coming in and buying a five pack and they're get like it is such a a shared experience market. I found for how good quality products start selling. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I need to come check it out for sure. I haven't been out there. Well, grow up in May is the perfect opportunity. Yeah. Right? That's a, that's a, yeah. I think I was okay. sick for the, Yeah, I missed the last one, I think. So. Yeah, in September? Yeah. Yeah, we got hit hard. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we bailed last minute. It was fucking terrible. Excuse me. But uh, yeah, I was supposed to be a judge on the hash panel. And like, we just died that day. I'm <laughs> judging shit. So... Yeah, next year, next uh, May, that'll be good. We've got yeah, uh, conferences coming up that I'm speaking at, so so that'll be fun. They're always I really like conference season; it's always fun to get out. Yeah, it's been nice to be able to go out and actually meet a lot of the people that I've just had in online interaction with, right? Yeah, I've got and, a big group for sure. Yeah. Well, and and just the amount of people where it's like, I recognize you, but where from? And you're looking at each other and you're like, uh, and then somebody drops an Instagram handle and you're like, Oh, there we go. Yeah. 100%. Instagram or YouTube. It's one of the two. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it was awesome having you on today. Definitely got a good opportunity to highlight your chocolate. I'm looking forward to uh, picking some up. Once I do pop into the Alberta market. Uh, big fan of the CBD dominant experience. And is, there's a huge benefit for the market for that style of chocolate and edibles. I'd love to, I'd love to send you a bar. Just uh, if you want to shoot me your address when we're done here, we'll, uh, we'll get one in the mail for you. I'd really love you to try it. So. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll make sure to do that. And I appreciate having you on and I appreciate you sending that bar out too. Um, with that being said, is there anything else that you want to kind of hype up before we we wrap this. What am I hyping right now? What am I hyping? I'm not hyping anything. Um, are we, we dropped the price of the bars for a little Valentine's day, uh, for a little extra Valentine's day love. So we've actually dropped the price by 53%. So it's, uh, I probably can't talk about this online, but I'm going to anyways, it's five, five a bar and uh, it was 1195 a bar. So we, uh, we just wanted to move them out so we can get some new products in and give you guys all sorts of love for Valentine's day. Um, I'm not sure if much says better than love with a little bit of chocolate. So <laughs> um, yeah, you can reach me at Angelina.blessed on Instagram or at blessed edibles on Instagram. And uh, if you have any questions, I'd be super happy to chat with you about training, uh, about self-defense, about mobility, about life, about love, about, about, uh, about weed, about hash. So sending lots of love to you all. And thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a blast. And like I said, I, I want to provide a platform for people like yourself to be able to share their message and, and get knowledge about their product out there because like, that's really the best thing that this community can do. Like we said, is grow as a community and share its knowledge. Exactly. Exactly. I think we got away from that for a little while as we kind of made the transition over but i just feel like there's a kind of new some kind of new blood in the field right now with the bud tenders that are all like really pushing the whole community vibe because a lot of the lps kind of forgot about that so it's given me a little bit of renewed hope um with the awesome bud tenders that are out there and uh 
just sharing sharing light and love with everybody and uh, and community vision. So hopefully we can continue that and work together to make this industry grow into a excuse me into. A, <laughs> I have a rescue dog, so that's what all the freaking noise has been about. Uh, um, so we'll have excuse us. Let me just. Oh. All good. I was just going to say, yeah. we got through the whole thing before he started barking, so that's not bad. <laughs> that's great. I don't, I don't know if I can, can I flip my camera around? Oh. This is what's in my lap right now. He's, this is oh. Maximum. This is Maximum. Sorry. So <laughs> he wants to oh. go outside. So we're just gonna Big let him tank go. of love. Oh, he's a huge tank. Go. Just go then. Oh. Yeah, I super I was... appreciate it. <laughs> oh. um, ruckus with him around, but... Uh... I was a little distracted, so I appreciate you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It was great having you on, and I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. But for now, we're going to wrap this one up. So cheers. <laughs>